13. Decondition of the mother during the period of gestation. 3. Prominent authorities. A. E. Newton says, numerous facts indicate that offspring may be affected and their tendencies shaped by a great variety of influences, among which moods and influences more or less transient may be included. Dr. Stahl says, prenatal influences are both subtle and potent, and no amount of wealth or learning or influence can secure exemption from them. Dr. John Cowan says upon this subject, the fundamental principles of genius in reproduction are that, through the rightly directed wills of the father and mother, preceding and during antenatal life, the child's form or body, character of mind and purity of soul are formed and established, that in its plastic state, during antenatal life, like clay in the hands of the potter, it can be molded into absolutely any form of body and soul the parents may knowingly desire, for, like parents, like children, it is folly to expect strong and vigorous children from weak and sickly parents, or virtuous offspring from impure ancestry, Dr. James Foster Scott tells us that purity island in fact, the crown of all real manliness, and the vigorous and robust, who by repression of evil have preserved their sexual potency, make the best husbands and fathers, and they are the direct benefactors for the race by begetting progeny who are not predisposed to sexual vitiation and bodily and mental degeneracy. 5. Blood will tell. Thus we see that prenatal influences greatly modify, if they do not wholly control, inherited tendencies. Is it common sense to suppose that a child, begotten when the parents are exhausted from mental or physical overwork, can be as perfect as when the parents are overflowing with the buoyancy of life and health, the practical farmer would not allow a domestic animal to come into his flock or herd under imperfect physical conditions, he understands that while blood will tell, the temporary conditions of the animals will also tell in the perfections or imperfections of the offspring. 6. Health a legacy. It is no small legacy to be endowed with perfect health. In begetting children comparatively few people seem to think that any care of concern is necessary to ensure against ill health or poverty of mind. How strange our carelessness and inconcern when these are the groundwork of all comfort and success. How few faces and forms we see which give sign of perfect health. It is just as reasonable to suppose that men and women can squander their fortune and still have it left to bequeath to their children as that parents can violate organic laws and still retain their own strength and activity. 7. Responsibility of Parents Selden H. Tascott says, and govern passions in the parents may unloose the furies of unrestrained madness in the minds of their children. Even a temperate religious enthusiasm may beget a fanaticism that cannot be restrained within the limits of reason. In view of the preceding statements, what a responsibility rests upon the parents. No step in the process of parentage is unimportant. From the lover's first thought of marriage to the birth of the child, every step of the way should be paved with the snow-white blossoms of pure thought. Kindly words and deeds should bind the prospective parents more closely together, not mine and thine, but ours, should be the bond of sympathy. Each should be chaste in thought and word and deed as was Sir Galahad, who went in search of the Holy Grail, saying, My strength is as the strength of ten, because my heart is pure. Illustration, Drive Hall Syringe. Number 1 gives a wordling spray and number 2 also wordling spray. Price of number 1 is 1.50 and of number 2, 3.00. To readers of this book the publishers will send number 1 for 1.20 and number 2 for 2.25 postpaid. Dr. Hall's is larger and made of highest grade red rubber and its action is very effective. Vaginal cleanliness. 1. 
The above syringes are highly recommended by physicians as vaginal cleansers. They will be found a great relief in health or sickness, and in many cases cure barrenness or other diseases of the womb. 2. Cleanliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Without cleanliness the human body is more or less defiled and repulsive. A hint to the wise is sufficient. The vagina should be cleansed with the same faithfulness as any other portion of the body. 3. Temperature of the water. Those not accustomed to use vaginal injections would do well to use water milk warm at the commencement. After this the temperature may be varied according to circumstances. In case of local inflammation use hot water. The indiscriminate use of cold water injections will be found rather injurious than beneficial. And a woman in feeble health will always find warm water invigorating and preferable. 4. Eleusiorarachoia. In case of persistent leukorrhea use the temperature of water from 72 to 85 degrees Fahrenheit. 5. The cleanser will greatly stimulate the health and spirits of any woman who uses it. Pure water injections have a stimulating effect, and it seems to invigorate the entire body. 6. Salt and water injections. This will cure mild cases of leukorrhea. Add a teaspoonful of salt to a pint and a half of water at the proper temperature. Injections may be repeated daily if deemed necessary. 7. Soap and water. Soap and water is a very simple domestic remedy, and will many times afford relief in many diseases of the womb. It seems it thoroughly cleanses the parts. A little borax or vinegar may be used the same as salt water injections. Scene number 6. 8. Holes in the tubes. Most of the holes in the tubes of syringes are too small. See that they are sufficiently large to produce thorough cleansing. 9. Injections during the monthly flow. Of course it is not proper to arrest the flow. And the injections will stimulate a healthy action of the organs. The injections may be used daily throughout the monthly flow with much comfort and benefit. If the flow is scanty and painful the injections may be as warm as they can be comfortably borne. If the flowing is immoderate, then cool water may be used. A woman will soon learn her own condition and can act accordingly. 10. Bloom and Grace of Youth. The regular bathing of the body will greatly improve woman's beauty. Remember that a perfect complexion depends upon the healthy action of all the organs. Vaginal injections are just as important as the bath. A beautiful woman must not only be queenly, but robust and healthy. There can be no perfect beauty without good health, impotence and sterility. 1. Actual impotence during the period of manhood is a very rare complaint, and nature very unwillingly, and only after the absolute neglect of sanitary laws, gives up the power of reproduction. 2. Not only sensual women, but all without exception, feel deeply hurt, and are repelled by the husband whom they may previously have loved dearly. 1. After entering the married state, they find that he is impotent, the more inexperienced and innocent they were at the time of marriage the longer it often is before they find that something is lacking in the husband, but, once knowing this, the wife infallibly has a feeling of contempt and aversion for him though there are many happy families where this defect exists, it is often very uncertain who is the weak one, and no cause for separation should be sought, 3, unhappy marriages, barrenness, divorces, and perchance an occasional suicide, may be prevented by the experienced physician, who can generally give correct information, comfort, and consolation, when consulted on these delicate matters, for, when a single man fears that he is unable to fulfill the duties of marriage, he should not marry until his fear is dispelled, the suspicion of such a fear strongly tends to bring about the very weakness which he dreads, 
go to a good physician not to one of those quacks whose advertisements you see in the papers, they are invariably unreliable, and state the case fully and freely. 5. Diseases, malformation, etc. may cause impotence. In case of malformation there is usually no remedy, but in case of disease it is usually within the reach of a skillful physician. 6. Self-abuse and spermatoria produce usually only temporary impotence and can generally be relieved by carrying out the instructions given elsewhere in this book. 7. Excessive indulgences often enfeeble the powers and often result in impotence. Dissipated single men, professional libertines, and married men who are immoderate, often pay the penalty of their violations of the laws of nature, by losing their vital power. In such cases of excess there may be some temporary relief. But as age advances the effects of such indiscretion will become more and more manifest. 8. The condition of sterility in man may arise either from a condition of the secretion which deprives it of its fecundating powers or it may spring from a malformation which prevents it reaching the point where fecundation takes place. The former condition is most common in old age, and is a sequence of venereal disease, or from a change in the structure or functions of the glands. The latter has its origin in a stricture or in an injury, or in that condition technically known as hypospadias, or in debility. 9. It can be safely said that neither self-indulgence nor spermatoria often leads to permanent sterility. 10. It is sometimes, however, possible, even where there is sterility in the male, providing the secretion is not entirely devoid of life properties on part of the husband, to have children, but these are exceptions. 11. No man need hesitate about matrimony on account of sterility, unless that condition arises from a permanent and absolute degeneration of his functions. 12. Impotence from mental and moral causes often takes place. Persons of highly nervous organization may suffer incapacity in their sexual organs. The remedy for these difficulties is rest and change of occupation. 13. Remedies in case of impotence on account of former private diseases, OR masturbation are other causes. First build up the body by taking some good stimulating tonics. The general health is the most essential feature to be considered. In order to secure restoration of the sexual powers, constipation must be carefully avoided. If the kidneys do not work in good order, some remedy for their restoration must be taken. Take plenty of outdoor exercise. Avoid horseback riding or heavy exhaustive work. 14. Food and drinks which we can desire. All kinds of food which cause dyspepsia or bring on constipation, diarrhea, or irritate the bowels, alcoholic beverages, or any indigestible compound, has the tendency to weaken the sexual power. Drunkards and tipplers suffer early loss of vitality. Beer drinking has a tendency to irritate the stomach and to that extent affects the private organs. 15. Coffee. Coffee drank excessively causes a debilitating effect upon the sexual organs. The moderate use of coffee can be recommended, yet an excessive habit of drinking very strong coffee will sometimes wholly destroy vitality. 16. Tobacco. It is a hygienic and physiological fact that tobacco produces sexual debility and those who suffer any weakness on that source should carefully avoid the weed in all its forms. 17. Drugs which stimulate desire. There are certain medicines which act locally on the membranes and organs of the male and the papers are full of advertisements of lost manhood restored, etc. But in every case they are worthless or dangerous drugs and certain to lead to some painful malady or death. All these patent medicines should be carefully avoided. 
People who are troubled with any of these ailments should not attempt to doctor themselves by taking drugs, but a competent physician should be consulted, eating rye, corn, or graham bread, oatmeal, cracked wheat, plenty of fruit, etc. is a splendid medicine. If that is not sufficient, then a physician should be consulted. 18. Drugs which moderate desire. Among one of the most common domestic remedies is camphor. This has stood the test for ages. Small doses or half a grain in most instances diminishes the sensibility of the organs of sex. In some cases it produces irritation of the bladder. In that case it should be at once discontinued. On the whole a physician had better be consulted. The safest drug among domestic remedies is a strong tea made out of hops, saltpeter, or nitrate of potash. Taken in moderate quantities are very good remedies. 19. Strictly speaking there is a distinction made between impotence and sterility. Impotence is a loss of power to engage in the sexual act and is common to men. It may be imperfection in the male organ or a lack of sufficient sexual vigor to produce and maintain erection. Sterility is a total loss of capacity in the reproduction of the species, and is common to women. There are, however, very few causes of barrenness that cannot be removed when the patient is perfectly developed. Sterility, in a female, most frequently depends upon a weakness or irritability either in the ovaries or the womb, and anything having a strengthening effect upon either organ will remove the disability. See page 249, 20. in intercourse says Dr. Hoff, is sometimes the cause of barrenness, this is usually puzzling to the interested parties, inasmuch as the practices which, in their opinion, should be the source of a numerous progeny, have the very opposite effect, by greatly moderating their ardor, this defect may be remedied, 21, Napoleon and Josephine, a certain adaptation between the male and female has been regarded as necessary to conception consisting of some mysterious influence which one sex exerts over the other, neither one, however, being essentially impotent or sterile, the man may impregnate one woman and not another, and the woman will conceive by one man and not by another, in the marriage of Napoleon Bonaparte and Josephine no children were born, but after he had separated from the empress and wedded Maria Louisa of Austria, an heir soon came, yet Josephine had children by Beauharnais, her previous husband, but as all is not known as to the physical condition of Josephine during her second marriage, it cannot be assumed that mere lack of adaptability was the cause of unfruitfulness between them. There may have been some cause that history has not recorded, or unknown to the state of medical science of those days. There are doubtless many cases of apparently causeless unfruitfulness in marriage that even physicians, with a knowledge of all apparent conditions in the parties cannot explain, but when, as elsewhere related in this volume, impregnation by artificial means is successfully practiced, it is useless to attribute barrenness to purely psychological and adaptive influences, producing boys or girls at will. 1. Can the sexes be produced at will? This question has been asked in all ages of the world. Many theories have been advanced, but science has at last replied with some authority. The following are the best known authorities which this age of science has produced. 2. The Agricultural Theory the agricultural theory as it may be called, because adopted by farmers, is that impregnation occurring within four days of the close of the female monthlies produces a girl, because the ovum is yet immature, but that when it occurs after the fourth day from its close, gives a boy, because this egg is now mature, whereas after about the eighth day this egg dissolves and passes off, so that impregnation is thereby rendered impossible. 
till just before the mother's next monthly, sexual science, 3, queen bees lay female eggs first, and male afterwards, so with hens, the first eggs laid after the tread give females, the last males, mares shown the stallion late in their periods drop horse colts rather than fillies, Matthews, 4, if you wish females, give the male at the first sign of heat, if males, at its end, Professor Thursday, 5, on 22 successive occasions I desired to have heifers, and succeeded in every case, I have made in all 29 experiments, after this method, and succeeded in every one, in producing the sex I desired, a Swiss breeder, 6, this Thursday plan has been tried on the farms of the Emperor of the French with unvarying success, 7, conception in the first half of the time between the menstrual periods produces females, and males in the latter, London Lancet, 8, intercourse in from 2 to 6 days after cessation of the menses produces girls, in from 9 to 12, boys, medical reporter, the most male power and passion creates boys, female girls, this law probably causes those agricultural facts just cited thus, conception right after menstruation give girls, because the female is then the most impassioned, later, boys, because her wanting sexual warmth leaves him the most vigorous, mere sexual excitement, a wild, fierce, furious rush of passion, is not only not sexual vigor, but in its inverse ratio, and a genuine insane fervor caused by weakness, just as a light nervous excitability indicates weak nerves instead of strong, sexual power is deliberate, not wild, cool, not impetuous, while all false excitement diminishes effectiveness. Fowler. Abortion or miscarriage. 1. Abortion or miscarriage is the expulsion of the child from the womb previous to six months, after that it is called premature birth. 2. Causes. It may be due to a criminal act of taking medicine for the express purpose of producing miscarriage or it may be caused by certain medicines, severe sickness or nervousness, syphilis, imperfect semen, lack of room in the pelvis and abdomen, lifting, straining, violent cold, sudden mental excitement, excessive sexual intercourse, dancing, tight lacing, the use of strong purgative medicines, bodily fatigue, late suppers, and fashionable amusements. 3. Symptoms. A falling or weakness and uneasiness in the region of the loins, thighs and womb. Pain in the small of the bath. Vomiting and sickness of the stomach. Chilliness with a discharge of blood accompanied with pain in the lower portions of the abdomen. These may take place in a single hour, or it may continue for several days. If before the fourth month, there is not so much danger, but the flow of blood is generally greater. If miscarriage is the result of an accident. It generally takes place without much warning, and the service of a physician should at once be secured. 4. Home treatment. A simple application of cold water externally applied will produce relief, or cold cloths of ice, if convenient, applied to the lower portions of the abdomen. Perfect quiet, however, is the most essential thing for the patient. She should lie on her back and take internally a teaspoonful of paragoric every two hours, drink freely of lemonade or other cooling drinks and for nourishment subsist chiefly on chicken broth, toast, water gruel, fresh fruits, etc. The principal homeopathic remedies for this disease are ergot and semisifuga, given in drop doses of the tinctures. 5. Injurious Effects Miscarriage is a very serious difficulty, and the health in the constitution may be permanently impaired. Anyone prone to miscarriage should adopt every measure possible to strengthen and build up the system 
Avoid going upstairs or doing much heavy lifting or hard work. 6. Prevention. Practice the laws of sexual abstinence. Take frequent sits baths, live on oatmeal, graham bread, and other nourishing diet. Avoid highly seasoned food, rich gravies, late suppers and the like. The murder of the innocents. 1. Many causes. Many causes have operated to produce a corruption of the public morals so deplorable, prominent among which may be mentioned the facility with which divorces may be obtained in some of the states. The constant promulgation of false ideas of marriage and its duties by means of books, lectures, etc. and the distribution through the mails of impure publications. But an influence not less powerful than any of these is the growing devotion of fashion and luxury of this age and the idea which practically obtains to so great an extent that pleasure, instead of the health or morals, is the great object of life. 2. A monstrous crime. The abiding interest we feel in the preservation of the morals of our country, constrains us to raise our voice against the daily increasing practice of infanticide, especially before birth. The notoriety that monstrous crime has obtained of late, and the hecatombs of infants that are annually sacrificed to Moloch, to gratify an unlawful passion, are a sufficient justification for our alluding to a painful and delicate subject, which should not even be named, only to correct and admonish the wrongdoers. 3. Localities in which it is most prevalent. We may observe that the crying sin of infanticide is most prevalent in those localities where the system of moral education has been longest neglected. This inhuman crime might be compared to the murder of the innocents, except that the criminals, in this case, Exceed in enormity the cruelty of Herod. 4. Shedding innocent blood. If it is a sin to take away the life even of an enemy, if the crime of shedding innocent blood cries to heaven for vengeance, in what language can we characterize the double guilt of those whose souls are stained with the innocent blood of their own unborn, and regenerate offspring? 5. The greatness of the crime. The murder of an infant before its birth. Island in the sight of God and the law. As great a crime as the killing of a child after birth. 6. Legal responsibility. Every state of the union has made this offense one of the most serious crimes. The law has no mercy for the offenders that violate the sacred law of human life. It is murder of the most cowardly character and woe to him who brings this curse upon his head, to haunt him all the days of his or her life, and to curse him at the day of his death. 7. The product of lust. Lust pure and simple. The only difference between a marriage of this character and prostitution island that society, rotten to its heart, pulpits afraid to cry aloud against crime and vice, and the church conformed to the world, have made such a profanation of marriage respectable, to put it in other words, when two people determine to live together as husband and wife, and evade the consequences and responsibilities of marriage, they are simply engaged in prostitution without the infamy which attaches to that vice and crime. 8. Outrageous violation of all law. The violation of all law, both natural and revealed, is the cruel and villainous contract by which people entering into the marital relation engage in defiance of the laws of God and the laws of the commonwealth, that they shall be unencumbered with a family of children. Disguise the matter as you will, says Dr. Pomeroy. Yet the fact remains that the first and specific object of marriage is the rearing of a family. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth is God's first word to Adam after his creation. 9. The national sin. The prevention of offspring is preeminently the sin of America. It is fast becoming the national sin of America. And if it is not checked, it will sooner or later be an irremediable calamity. 
the sin has its roots in a low and perverted idea of marriage, and is fostered by false standards of modesty. 10. The sin of Herod. Do these same white-walled sepulchres of hell know that they are committing the damning sin of Herod in the slaughter of the innocents, and are accessories before the fact to the crime of murder? Do women in all circles of society, when practicing these terrible crimes realize the real danger? Do they understand that it is undermining their health, and their constitution, and that their destiny, if persisted in is a premature grave just as sure as the sun rises in the heavens? Let all beware and let the first and only purpose be, to live a life guiltless before God and man. 11. The crime of abortion. From the moment of conception a new life commences, a new individual exists, another child is added to the family. The mother who deliberately sets about to destroy this life, either by want of care, or by taking drugs, or using instruments, commits as great a crime, and is just as guilty as if she strangled her newborn infant or as if she snatched from her own breast her six-months darling and dashed out its brains against the wall. Its blood is upon her head, and as sure as there is a God and a judgment, that blood will be required of her. The crime she commits is murder, child murder the slaughter of a speechless, helpless being, whom it is her duty beyond all things else, to cherish and preserve. 12. Dangerous diseases. We appeal to all such with earnest and with threatening words, if they have no feeling for the fruit of their womb, if maternal sentiment is so callous in their breasts, let them know that such produced abortions are the constant cause of violent and dangerous womb diseases, and frequently of early death, that they bring on mental weakness, and often insanity that they are the most certain means to destroy domestic happiness which can be adopted. Better, far better, to bear a child every year for twenty years than to resort to such a wicked and injurious step, better to die, if need be, of the pangs of childbirth, than to live with such a weight of sin on the conscience. The unwelcome child, one, too often the husband thinks only of his personal gratification, he insists upon what he calls his rights, forces on his wife an unwelcome child, and thereby often alienates her affections, if he does not drive her to abortion. Dr. Stockham reports the following case, a woman once consulted me who was the mother of five children, all born within ten years. These were puny, scrofulous, nervous and irritable. She herself was a fit subject for doctors and drugs. Every organ in her body seemed diseased, and every function perverted. She was dragging out a miserable existence, like other physicians. I had prescribed in vain for her many maladies. One day she chanced to inquire how she could safely prevent conception. This led me to ask how great was the danger. She said, unless my husband is absent from home. Few nights have been exempt since we were married, except it may be three or four immediately after confinement. And yet your husband loves you. Oh yes, he is kind and provides for his family. Perhaps I might love him but for this. While now will God forgive me. I detest, I loathe him, and if I knew how to support myself and children, I would leave him. Can you talk with him upon this subject? I think I can. Then there is hope, for many women cannot do that. Tell him I will give you treatment to improve your health and if he will wait until you can respond, take time for the act. Have it entirely mutual from first to last. The demand will not come so frequent. Do you think so? The experience of many proves the truth of this statement. Hopefully she went home, and in six months I had the satisfaction of knowing my patient was restored to health, and a single coition in a month gave the husband more satisfaction than the many had done previously.
that the creative power was under control, and that my lady could proudly say I love, where previously she said I hate, if husbands will listen, a few simple instructions will appeal to their common sense, and none can imagine the gain to themselves, to their wives and children, and their children's children, then it may not be said of the babes that the death borders on their birth, and their cradle stands in the grave, too. Wives, be frank and true to your husbands on the subject of maternity, and the relation that leads to it. Interchange thoughts and feelings with them as to what nature allows or demands in regard to these. Can maternity be natural when it isn't designed by the father or undesired by the mother? Can a maternity be natural, healthful, ennobling to the mother, to the child, to the father, and to the home, when no loving, tender, Anxious forethought presides over the relation in which it originated, when the mother's nature loathed and repelled it, and the father's only thought was his own selfish gratification, the feelings and conditions of the mother, and the health, character and destiny of the child that may result being ignored by him. Wives, let there be a perfect and loving understanding between you and your husbands on these matters, and great will be your reward. 3. A woman writes, there are few, very few. Wives and mothers who could not reveal a sad, dark picture in their own experience in their relations to their husbands and their children, maternity, and the relation in which it originates, are thrust upon them by their husbands, often without regard to their spiritual or physical conditions, and often in contempt of their earnest and urgent entreaties. No joy comes to their heart at the conception and birth of their children, except that which arises from the consciousness that they have survived the sufferings wantonly and selfishly inflicted upon them. For, husband, when maternity is imposed on your wife without her consent, and contrary to her appeal, how will her mind necessarily be affected towards her child? It was conceived in dread and in bitterness of spirit. Every stage of its fetal development is watched with feeling of settled repugnance. In every step of its antenatal progress the child meets only with grief and indignation in the mother. She would crush out its life. If she could. She loathed its conception. She loathed it in every stage of its antenatal development. Instead of fixing her mind on devising ways and means for the healthful and happy organization and development of her child before it is born. And for its postnatal comfort and support. Her soul may be intent on its destruction. And her thoughts devise plans to kill it. In this. How often is she aided by others? There are those, and they are called men and women, whose profession is to devise ways to kill children before they are born. Those who do this would not hesitate but for the consequences to kill them after they are born. For the state of mind that would justify and instigate antenatal child murder would justify and instigate postnatal child murder. Yet, public sentiment consigns the murderer of postnatal children to the dungeon or the gallows. While the murderers of antenatal children are often allowed to pass in society as honest and honorable men and women. 5. The following is an extract from a letter written by one who has proudly and nobly filled the station of a wife and mother, and whose children and grandchildren surround her and crown her life with tenderest love and respect. It has often been a matter of wonder, 